Welcome to the fourth installment of Facilitator M Podcast. This podcast has been created to host discussions of relevance to GPMs in phase four and five fields around the world. My name is Jim Rice, GP Ibero-America Missionary Team Leader. I have the privilege of hosting today's podcast in which we'll be discussing how to know it is time to either leave or stay in a field, role, or ministry. Hopefully today's discussion will help bring clarity to these areas of transition now and in the future. I have the great pleasure of being joined today by Tom Hines. Tom and his wife Lydia spent 38 years in the Ibero-America field. Uh, Tom continues to work with GP now in the United States. They're based out of Florida. Uh, in Tom's time with GP, he was originally sent out as missionary to Honduras, then served as regional director of El Salvador and Ecuador, worked out of the Miami office, served as mission director and missionary in Ecuador. He has faced a number of transitions, changes to ministry and fields, as well as having finally left the field and returned permanently to the United States. Tom, it's great to have you with us today. Yeah, it's great to be here, Jim. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, what are you currently doing with GP in the U.S.? I'm serving as a consultant and a coach uh, for the enhancement of Hispanic ministries across the USA and North America in general. Um, when uh, the opportunity came up to uh, move to a new area of ministry, uh, the Lord put it on my heart to uh, use some of the skills that we had picked up on the field and some of our Spanish language skills to help build bridges between our Wesleyan leadership and uh, the Hispanic ministries that are springing up all across the USA. So we serve as consultants in helping churches and districts that would like to design an outreach program for Hispanics in their community, uh, and we also coach that process with them as it develops. That's great. Uh, really uh, much needed, uh, probably not only in the Hispanic churches, but other churches, including the, the English-speaking church in the United States. So thank you for doing that. As we, as we start into the, the talk about uh, transitions, uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, there have been a number of transitions that you and Lydia have had in your life. Uh, how do you decide it was time to either leave your role, uh, for example, as MD in Ecuador, or to leave the field that you are currently in, or to, and move to another one, or uh, finally to leave the field entirely as far as being out of the country and go back to a role in the United States. Uh, can you give us some insights into that? Sure. Um, as I came up on uh, my 33rd year as an MD or RD on several different fields, four different fields, I had a desire to uh, sharpen my focus. Um, the, I wanted to look at a situation where there would be, I would be going in fewer directions and be able to focus my energy more uh, in, a f in fewer areas. And part of that was recognizing my own limitations of emotional and, and physical energy. Um, there's always a danger, and I always uh, was concerned about this aspect, and that is that my leadership uh, would become personality-focused instead of principle-focused. What I mean by that is um, that uh, those that, uh, I was helping to lead would look to me uh, 
as as my, my style of leadership more as a model for them, um, not just the principles, but personality. And so um, in 2000, when I got the task of leading the opening of the new field in Ecuador, uh, I knew that pioneering was an unpredictable and an unstable process. There always seems to be a, a sifting and a shifting of early leadership uh, some of the people who join come on board early on in, a, in an establishing ministry uh, begin to drop out sometimes uh, over doctrinal issues or denominational norms. And so there's that shifting and sifting that a field goes through in those uh, initial years. And so in those formative days, as you're walking through uh, the uh, national believers uh, through some of those rough waters, um, they can begin to see that pioneering missionary as kind of a, a spiritual folk hero or, or a, almost an icon in the minds of young developing national leaders. And honor and respect are always welcome, but I was always concerned that the upcoming leaders would not just replicate my style and manner of ministry, but would follow the biblical principles that I was trying to model for them. Um, we know that leadership's a lot more than just guiding a group of followers. It's, it's uh, the art of creating space for others to serve. And so leaving my MD position in Ecuador after 17 years was with the purpose of creating space for others to serve. And I know around the world there are a number of different cultures and a number of different view, views of leadership and how it's done. Uh, how would you say what you did in Ecuador fit into the Ecuadorian and Latin American cultural model of leadership? Uh, well, it's interesting across Latin America, the, the cultures of the different countries, the many countries of Latin America are quite distinct. And um, we found ourselves uh, for instance, in the area of Cuenca, working Cuenca, Ecuador, working with, uh, the people of the highlands who were very reserved and very, very traditional, uh, and and also uh, I would say uh, less uh, in a hurry to make change. Uh, comparing that, say, to Guayaquil in the coastal area, that's more metropolitan, cosmopolitan. Uh, the people were a little more inclined to try something new. So even in even in one country. Uh, you find various cultures. So I think the, the answer was to, uh, first of all, be aware and observe the culture and then adapt your own style and your own ministry leadership to fit the people rather than trying to change the people that you're trying to work with. One of the things that I tell folks uh, about you when we talk about you, and we do talk about you sometimes, Tom, uh, mm. <laughs> is one of the, one of the great, things that you did, I think, for the field, and particularly for me, but also for the field and for the National Church, is, is doing what you did in your, in your exit from the field. And first of all, you were MD and turned that role over to me, and then you went home for partnership development shortly thereafter, and the field was convinced you were either not coming back, or when you got back to the field, you would reassume your MD role. Uh, and when you did not, 
you gave a great model. And not only did you not assume it, uh, you, you did the things that you did as a missionary there, both you and Lydia, very well as far as how you structured your, your ministry to look to the leadership, which in that case was me, which you did me a huge favor um, and did a great job of that transition. Um, so as I know I'm not the guest here today, but I just wanted to, to thank you for doing that. And in doing that, you actually changed the way uh, the church in Ecuador and I think the view of most Latin American countries is you don't give up power or leadership. Uh, that's something you hold on to and make it yours. But you show, show them an example of how you can transition uh, leadership, which they'll need to do in the future, and do it well. Uh, so that's, that's one of the great gifts I see uh, that you left with the Ecuadorian church along with the leadership development program and a number of other things. But that will be a lasting thing, I believe, that goes through generations uh, as, they, as they lead and give up leadership there. Uh, well, I know that the process is different for everyone. What are some general guidelines that have helped you as you've transitioned from fields and roles and responsibilities, as well as leaving the field and going back to the U.S.? Yeah, I, uh, I first of all... Um would say that uh, one needs to recognize the natural limits of time. Uh, earthly plans and programs do not last forever. Um, there are internal things that, that do exist, but our, our earthly plans and programs and positions are not part of that eternal situation. Uh, I think recognizing the importance of preparing for continuity in the ministry that you lead is very important. Um, and you do that by building on principles, not on your personality. Someday you're going to move on. And what will happen when you move on? Will those who you've led uh, be able to march on, uh, having built upon principles rather than on your personalities? That's always been a prayer of mine in any place and in any time where I have had any kind of lead role. And I think at the outset of any appointed role, uh, I want to begin to think, I want to begin to observe people and pray for that person that will be succeeding me, who will come after me, and what will I do to prepare the way for that. One of the things I've done uh, to help with transition in my own life has been reading books or articles by other Christian leaders uh, on the transition experiences that they've gone through. Um, and I'd like to just put a plug in for a great book about transition by the author Garris Elkins. Mm -hmm. uh, he has a book called A Good Place, Walking with Hope Through the Transitions of Life. Um, we read that book together as a couple uh, a year or two before we left the Ecuador field. It was a, a great um, inspirational book about transition. Um, I always try to listen to the counsel of godly people who are close to me. Um, what that does for me, Jim, is it builds confidence and alleviates some of that controlling fear that I might be doing the wrong thing. When I hear those reassuring voices and I hear the same uh, reaffirming 
words coming from people who, who love God and who listen to him, and they're beginning to say a similar message to me, uh, I begin to uh, build more confidence in, in making the transition I'm about to make. Um, outside of God's word and prayer directly with God, uh, the counsel of godly people around me has been the most helpful uh, factor in, in making good transitions. Um, one of the critical things, I believe, in addition to that, is to prepare those you lead, be transparent with them by letting them know about the upcoming change. Um, and this gives them time to transition and to be ready for that change in leadership, be ready to support the incoming leader that will guide them or assuming the leadership themselves, which is always part of the desire of the missionary, I think. Um, I guess a final thought on that would be step aside gracefully when you're finished with your particular race um, in that role, step aside gracefully and completely and uh, give your full support to the new leader that, that comes in to follow you. Those are just some thoughts. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Tom, would you uh, tell me the name of that book again? Walking. Uh... It is called A Good Place, Walking with Hope Through the Transitions of Life. And that author is Garris Elkins. Excellent. Available on Amazon. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. Um, Tom, as you think of stage four and five fields, uh, are there any particular things that you look at as you transition either to your ministry or your role in that field from, from leading to supporting or uh, leading on field to being away from field or actually just leaving the field altogether and allowing the national leadership to completely take over? Anything specific that you can think of in, in those type roles with four and five stages? Sure. Um, i start with one of the most obvious ones to everyone, and that is to pray for God to show you his plan for your exit. Um, we spend a lot of time thinking about what we're going to do and building vision and making goals. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't spent nearly as much time uh, planning for my departure. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> and, you know, sometimes there's a clear signal from God uh, that, yes, it's time for, for us to move on. I have found at many junctures of my life, um, I have not uh, been able to discern that clear signal. Yes, it's time to leave. And so I've had to uh, combine some other thoughts uh, and indicators in order to make, uh, make my decision. Uh, when that happens, and I'm not sure, I ask the Lord to block any incorrect moves on my part, and uh, then to help me use my best judgment. Um, of course, um, being immersed in, in God's Word, being in obedience where you are right now, I believe is key to God leading us anywhere. And so uh, always trying to uh, keep a, a close, up-to-date relationship 
with, with the Lord. That's that's the obvious talking to the choir part. Um, and as you as you depart a, a field, um, and in many times we're talking about passing the baton, we're talking about transitioning from a missionary leadership role to a national church leader, host country leader role. Um, I believe you really need to assure the the incoming leaders of your ongoing love for them. Um, and as we say so often in Latin America, I'll always have you in my heart or I'll leave a piece of my heart here. I think every missionary can, can identify with that. Um, and to express that ongoing love and promise uh, support in prayer for them is something that um, is a great gift uh, when when a transition happens. Um, one, one final thought in that area would be um, to carry out a, a farewell event uh, when you depart um, a field. Um, this was done for us in various countries, um, but it's not just done for the departing missionary to bring closure, which it does. Uh, I think about children that are having to say goodbyes uh, this, to me, is a very critical point uh, to have a good, positive farewell event and process, um, not only for those who are departing, but for those who are the in-country leaders uh, in order for them to mark this transition as something, as a step forward uh, for the future of that field. Uh, those are my thoughts in, in that area of transitioning from, from a stage four or five field. That's excellent. Uh, that's really excellent. Are there areas that you found that we should be careful of as we consider transition in fields or positions or roles with GP? Well, um, there are so many factors that are beyond our control Sometimes we find ourselves um, struggling to know what indicator to look at um, and what cautions we should take. Uh, I do believe that anytime we're decision making, we really need to focus on the factors that are within our control. Uh, the things beyond our control, uh, we simply have to put into our prayer box and keep going to the Lord and let him work that out. But when we, dis when we distill it down to the, what are the factors within my control, uh, then focus our, our thought, energy, and, and our time preparing with, with those things that are uh, visible, measurable, uh, not necessarily tangibly visible, but the things we can see, the things we can control, take those factors and make a, a good judgment. Uh, certainly seeking God's timing, very basic. Um, so be careful to, um, to not do it too early or wait too late. And that's, I realize that's very subjective. That's, that's something we really need God's help to decipher. Right. Yeah. Avoiding pushing underprepared leaders to fill a vacancy just to fill the spot, I think is a mistake that I have made at times in the past, um, it's so critical to allow that that new leader to sense God planting the vision in their own hearts. They have to have that kind of 
uh, assurance that it's God that's leading them there. It's not the missionary that's putting them there. Um, as, as we prepare leaders, we, we have to be cautioned not to press them into the saddle of responsibility before they have been adequately prepared. Mm-hmm. I think there, I think every one of us would say we've stepped into positions we weren't re- fully ready for. <laughs> and that's part of faith and trust. I realize that seldom are we like, do we feel fully assured we're hundred percent ready? So practice the faith. Uh, but at the same time, do not put people into an unnecessary uh, position or an unnecessary situation where we have expected them to serve a certain role, but we ourselves have not done our homework to prepare them adequately. So empower them, uh, but do not give them responsibilities with also giving them the appropriate authority to do the job you've asked them to do. Um, The missionary and national leader roles, I think, we sometimes see those as black and white. It has to be an either or. This is a missionary job or this is a national church worker job. Uh, and I think we need to move away from that black and white thinking and realize that roles can be blended. Roles can be shared. Roles can even be rotated. Mm-hmm. But whatever we do, they should always be complementary. They should always be contributing to the other leaders uh, well-being and also the other leaders effectiveness so um, I don't think we we have to stay in an either or mindset but with God's help and God's spirit flowing among us uh, I think we can work together with an open mind and and I believe God will help us discern uh, to avoid the pitfalls of these transitions that's some really excellent things in there, Tom. I really like the part where you talked about uh, preparing the, the national leaders and not just giving them training, but uh, preparing them for that role in other ways and mentoring them, really. Uh, as we move from that area, are there certain times or seasons or circumstances under which you'd encourage people, uh, missionaries within GP, leaders within GP, uh, to not make transitional decisions. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> the um, as I've kind of moved closer to the seventies, seventy-year mark in my life. Um, looking back, you see more clearly than when you were looking forward. Mm. Um, but. I think one of the things I've observed, and this is strictly arbitrary, this is strictly my thinking, but I kind of look at the stages of life as the teens, the 20s, and the early 30s being a time of intense learning, um, both academically, informationally, and then experientially. Uh, I look at that late 30s up up through the mid-60s, let's say, there again arbitrarily, this seems to be like a prime time for the creative energy and activity um, that uh, where people have that drive, they have that um, 
that that physical emotional strength to uh, just really move things forward and go go 100% in in uh, striving for uh, reaching their their goals and and serving wherever they can. Yeah, I think along in the 60s somewhere um, one begins to um, think more about how can God use the later years of my life to encourage, equip, enhance the ministry of the younger generations. Um, you have the experience that you've gained from making so many of your own mistakes. Um, and though you can't always adequately um, communicate that, and you certainly don't want to come across as, okay, well, if you'll do this, then, then you're going to have this great success. At the same time, uh, I think uh, if you can listen, and I think it's more, it's more, it comes more from who I listen to and what they have to say to me uh, than what I can say to the younger generations. Um, it's better for me to sit down with a younger leader and just let them tell me about their ministry and let them tell me about where they're growing, where they're going, uh, what they would like to do, what their struggles and challenges are. Just let them, let them talk to me and uh, hear them out. Um, then the Lord opens the door sometimes for uh, a word of encouragement, a word of uh, caution, a word of wisdom uh, from the Lord that, that can be shared. But um, I think that the, the, the shifting to stateside ministry uh, for me has been a time when I can focus nearly 100% of my energies um, on equipping and encouraging the, uh, the developing and upcoming leadership. That's really interesting. Uh, you know, Tom, one of the things uh, that I thought of as you were talking about that is how God, how I see uh, God is preparing you to do some of the things that you're doing now. And one of those things was your, your and Lydia's uh, engagement with emotionally healthy spirituality. Uh, that seems to fit right into some of the things you talked about in the 60s on as far as uh, encouraging uh, equipping and basically amplifying younger leaders ministry. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you see some, a program like that as something that really, uh, first of all, the question, and this is really off topic, but the question is, would you have liked to have seen that program years earlier in your life? Or do you think you would have accepted it then? <laughs> wow. That's a hard question. I, I know this is, question. this is off the cuff. I'm sorry to surprise you with that, but I just thought of that as you were talking. No, that's that's fine. Um, you know, one of the things I've I've kind of come to realize is that um, we should not question timing of God's moving in our uh -huh. lives yes. um, to the point where we become uh, perplexed <laughs> or uh, what I want to say preoccupied by why this didn't happen at this time. Sure. Um, the yeah, I think I could have benefited greatly from such a program as emotional, healthy spirituality or relationships um, at an earlier age. Um, my, I guess what I 
see as um, the great benefit of uh, even a person who is nearing retirement, uh, any Christian leader who um, can, who wants to grow can really benefit from these kinds of reflective um, uh, courses that, and, and dialogue and conversations that are guided um, that really open your eyes to sometimes uh, unfinished business, if you will, uh, in relationships that have been um, damaged or broken, uh, sometimes in the stresses of ministry. Um, I have experienced broken relationships, and uh, I am praying that God will, in these um, later years, if you will, of my life, reveal anything that needs to be uh, healed, repaired, made right, reconciled. And uh, little by little, the Lord has showed me some new things. And so working with emotionally healthy spirituality, what I think it does is not only do you become aware of the needs that you may not have been aware of before, but there are now, now tools in your hand that, that helps you build your confidence to move forward in the healing process. It, um, it helps take away the fear of, of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a, a biblical confidence and faith to step forward, take that first step sometimes to, um, to bring a restoration and reconciliation um, as, as you fully submit to the Lord. And as you, Strive not only to be in harmony with God, but in harmony with your fellow man. So it's been a wonderful experience for us. And Tom, thank you for that. I'm going to blindside you with another question, and I apologize in advance. Uh, But it relates to uh, emotional healthy spirituality, emotional healthy relationships. Do you see that or a program similar to that as being helpful in managing or even making some decisions in transition? Um, I do, and I believe uh, in in regard to that, um, it is a confidence builder. For instance, uh, if you're facing a transition, um, I think one of the things that you should uh, kind of maybe hit the pause button on for a moment is if there are, if you're in the middle of interpersonal or nationals and something needs to be worked out, uh, rather than just um, departing the scene and leaving that unresolved, uh, something like emotionally healthy spirituality and its tools, emotionally healthy relationships, help you understand each other in a way that gives you not only the confidence but the courage to take the step toward reconciliation. Um, sometimes we're, the work is in a short-term crisis, and uh, your frustration is high, uh, some of the Sabbath keeping and the solitude, listening to God practices of emotionally healthy spirituality can really bring some clarity and can really help you um, work through uh, the crisis. Mm-hmm. Maybe a spouse is opposed to change, or maybe the children are, are disliking conditions in the host country or f- frustrated with school whatever the case might be, when these upsetting things are happening in the home, I really believe that um, being remaining healthy emotionally, spiritually, 
uh, they're, they're not exclusive. In other words, we, we really can't be uh, healthy spiritually and very unhealthy emotionally. Mm. The two go together. So I would say um, that this particular uh, set of courses will bring, will build confidence and will will take a lot of the anxiety out of working through issues. All right. Well, Tom, I, I thank you for a lot of the, the insights that you've given us today. I, I would like to finish up with uh, one final question, which is the, how have you prayed in advance of, during, and after transitions and has in ways that have been helpful uh, to both you and Lydia and to the fields you've, been, you've served in? Sure. Um, well, I think one of the things that, um, that brings us to the point of focusing prayer on a possible transition is um, if at some point we begin to realize that the fire in the belly passion, that burning in our heart for a ministry that we're involved in, when that begins to, when that flame begins to wane, die down, um, that we lean on that. Uh, it generates our energy and our creativity. But when the fire dies down low, um, then we begin to say, "Is is what is the Lord? Uh, where is he leading? What is he doing right now in my life? What does he want me to do? And so um, when when that fire burns down, it doesn't mean we're, we're done with our, our love for the people that we're serving. It's kind of like the glowing embers. Mm. Um, that warm feeling, the love for the people you've worked with and worked for and worked around, um, you still have that love and that good feeling, and yet uh, it may be time for you to move and be used somewhere else. So uh, I would say that when I begin to pray about that transition, I just remind myself that my life is not my own, and I, I need to pray again, thy will be done. I'll, I'll go, as the old hymn says, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I begin to listen in prayer. I think one of the things that I've learned in later years of my life is the importance of listening in prayer. Um, sometimes uh, one can feel guilty for spending an hour or two or three in silence and thinking and letting God direct your thinking without really uh, telling him anything or without guiding your prayer in words, but simply spending that quiet time before the Lord to listen. Um, it's just important that we don't feel like we're not doing anything important when we do that. It is very important. So take time to think and listen to God uh, in, in quiet times, in, in days if needed, days if needed. Um, so as I pray about transition, I obviously ask God to direct me through his word, but also through the, the God-centered conversations with family, with my spouse, with my friends. It goes back to the, what I said before about the counsel of godly people around you. Uh, wow, God speaks through them, and I really believe that. Um, I guess a uh, final thought there would be just to express and reaffirm your trust that God has taken you to a good place. Um, Wherever your next station of service will be, uh, just know that he's already there preparing the way. And uh, even though it can be scary, can be unsettling, um, may not be even 100% sure, 
of what will be next, um, God is taking you to a good place because he's there. Tom, thank you so much. Uh, you've given me a lot to think about today, and you've also opened up some areas that I hadn't thought about uh, in transition. So that, that, this has been a really good time for me, and I'm praying that it's going to be a really good time for a lot of the folks that are going to be listening to this. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, again, Tom and Lydia are, 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 are still working. Uh, Lydia's ministry is a little different, and they've got something upcoming, I think, uh, in the future. Uh, with uh, with global partners of the Wesleyan Church. Also, I just want to remind you guys, as you're listening to this, uh, there are other podcasts that are available on this site. Uh, there are also blogs uh, that are available. Uh, Dr. Bob Bagley just uh, has submitted one, and uh, Perry Hubbard wrote one last week. Uh, if you haven't seen them, go back and, and give them a read. And also, please comment on them. Uh, they're They're intended as discussion starters. Uh, so that we can talk to each other. There's also a, a Facilitator M uh, Facebook page. Uh, take the time to, to join that, if you will. It's a private group where discussions and other things can go on. There's an upcoming book study uh, and uh, an upcoming uh, event, training event with uh, Dr. Elizabeth Drury. So keep all these things in mind as you go forward. And Tom, once again, Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thanks for your service. And thank Lydia for her service as well to the Lord. And, and it's, all, I think, uh, it's all about being obedient to God and joining him where he, where he leads us. And I think you made that pretty clear today as you talk to us. Well, thank you, Jim. It's an honor and a privilege. And uh, we'll continue the great adventure. See what God has for us all in the next step in the next place. It's a good place. Amen. Thank you for joining the Facilitator M podcast today. God bless.